0: Hey, everybody, this is the time of year when we remind you how you can support this podcast, become a member of The Incomparable, sign up for a monthly or annual pledge and support us directly. Just go to the incomparable.com slash members and sign up. And then you'll be asked to pick the shows on our network you'd like to support. You can check just the box for The Incomparable or a whole bunch of other shows. And depending on that, your contribution will either come straight to us or it'll get scattered across all of the different shows. And there are lots of extras. If you're a supporter, you get exclusive bonus audio, a bootleg podcast where you can hear episodes of shows right after they're recorded without having to wait. And then there are all the bonuses. This season, we're going to do a special Empire Strikes Back commentary track. And yes, it includes John Syracusa that you can play along with the movie. And it's like we're sitting there with you. Uh, we're doing a bunch of random Trek stuff. There's a random Trek Total Party Kill role-playing special where we're uh, once again playing the Star Trek role-playing game scott mcnulty and i did a review of a couple of episodes of the orville that you should only listen to if you don't like the orville because otherwise we'll make you really sad Um, there's a lot more there's so much bonus material that rolls out across the whole year plus a whole bunch of stuff that's happening this month there are contribution levels of five ten and twenty dollars a month annual equivalents also available if you don't want to be charged monthly and if you're already a member thank you very much it's also easy to increase your pledge to a higher level and get some extra special goodies in return so if you'd like to to support us, go to theincomparable.com slash members to sign up. Thank you for listening. We don't bug you about this the whole year round. This is our special time to remind you. And regardless of what you do, I really appreciate you listening to The Incomparable. The Incomparable. Number
1: 451. March 2019.
0: Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell. And on this episode, we're going to be talking about the latest Marvel movie. It's not the summer of Marvel. It's, not, it's just like almost the spring of whatever the next spring will be, of who knows what. Um, but uh, they keep making Marvel movies, and we keep watching them. And that seems unlikely to change anytime soon. So here we are to talk about Captain Marvel. The latest in the Eponymous Marvel Cinematic Universe Yes Yes We It's interesting How that works um, And uh, Just released In theaters And we're gonna talk about it We watched it uh, Last weekend And uh, now it's the next weekend And we're talking about it uh, Joining me to talk about Captain Marvel Are these wonderful people Annette Weirstra is here Hello Hey there Thanks for joining us Thanks for seeing the movie In a timely fashion It's very important It
2: had a cat in it I was always gonna go did it did
0: it did tons, it Annette, tons, did really
2: it.
3: uh
0: chip Sutterth <laughs> is here hello hoarser, stuffier
3: sniffier i'm here
0: uh that <laughs> chip says that he's sick he sounds fine he sounds like chip but uh mm-hmm. you you be the judge uh kelly gamont is here hello hello and quinn rose is here
1: hello hello i saw this movie at 10 a.m this morning oh, um and there were surprising oh, nice. number of people in the theater oh, that's so nice. that's where i'm at
0: that's nice fresh fresh from the theater it's Quinn Rose. That's nice. That's a weird way to describe you. She's just in. Our <laughs> correspondent has just returned from the theater with information about Captain Marvel. All right. Uh, Captain Marvel, this is like the 20 millionth Marvel movie. We have our, our first Marvel movie with a uh, a woman as the lead character. Yes, yes. Amen. The Wasp shared the title, but mm-hmm. this is all Captain Marvel. And it's Brie Larson as Carol Danvers and uh it is i you know i think this movie's really interesting in that it's funny we when we did the summer of marvel we talked a little bit about how marvel latter day marvel has had more confidence in making different kinds of movies and i think i think there are a bunch of things in this movie that i don't think i've seen in a marvel movie before it just felt a little bit different for me and yet at the same time because it's sort of a straightforward um, origin story. In some ways, it also I think harkened back to some of the earlier Marvel movies. It's an interesting combination that that this movie had. Um, I guess we should uh, dig into it. Uh, any any opening comments anybody would like to have about it? Uh, just generally about Captain Marvel? Now would be a great time because we just started the opening I'd like comments. To start with
4: the opening credits.
0: Yes, please. Yes, Kelly, please.
4: Not because they were indicative of anything, but mostly just that. Uh, Instead of getting the comic characters on the sides of all the letters, we got Stan Lee. Mm
0: -hmm. Oh, yes.
4: And then the thank you. And I saw it on opening day uh, with Gene McDonald and our theater at the end of the credits when it shows all of his cameos and all the films and everything. And then the screen went black and it just said, thank you, Stan. And our audience burst into applause
0: so did ours into the spider-verse the audience definitely gave a spontaneous thing but here is the marvel straightforward marvel studios tribute to stan lee and then we also Mm -hmm. had that moment where he appears on a bus reading the mall (laughs) rats script for his cameo in mall rats by kevin smith making
3: Uh, kevin smith canon i'm not sure how i feel about that
4: (laughs) well i assure you Kevin Smith has not recovered.
0: Yeah, and he, he this means that he can't be like cast as something in the MCU because he's just himself. Because
4: <laughs> he's
1: Kevin Smith,
0: yeah. In the MCU, basically. Unless he was bitten by something radioactive after the mid-90s. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, which is when this movie is set, which is another funny thing about it that we should talk about. Any other opening uh, comments slash lots about this before we dive in? The, it, the
3: enthusiasm level for this movie coming into it, I couldn't quite figure out where it was coming from because... In, in the back of my mind I was like didn't we go through this two years ago with Wonder Woman? Uh, I remember a good friend of mine uh, saying after she left Wonder Woman you know is, is is this how men feel all the time? She was so excited <laughs> after coming out of Wonder Woman and the the enthusiasm for Captain Marvel seemed to be building to a fever pitch for a character that few people know about unless they're deep into the comics and Yet, it seemed to pay off. I'm not sure if it was just because canny marketing and because it was a Marvel movie and all that stuff. But um, it seemed like people were getting the same thing, sometimes even more so from Captain Marvel than they were getting from Wonder Woman. Uh, The enthusiasm for this uh, has been great to see after the fact.
0: How many people out out there um, among you had any any knowledge at all of this character? Because I think that, you know, the general movie going public probably had zero knowledge of Carol Danvers. Did any of you have similarly kind of go in with with no, little to no knowledge of what this was going to be about?
2: That would be me. I I have not been to a superhero movie since Wonder Woman. Hmm. So clearly I have a pattern. Uh, So yeah, I know virtually, to be honest, I don't even know the difference between Marvel and DC stuff. So I'll drive,
0: I'm sure, many right. people crazy. They, they don't talk. They just they they <laughs> they don't we must not talk of the other one. That's all. It's Coke and Pepsi. Let's yeah, just leave it. I might it that.
2: I might accidentally bring it up because I don't know. Hmm. So yeah, I'm I knew nothing and I thoroughly enjoyed it. So
0: Well that's good. I mean that that is, I think, one of the tests here is that this is um there's a long chip and chip and i at least i don't know if uh quinn or or kelly has any any more of the background here but i could tell you that that um i'm pretty sure chip with his encyclopedic knowledge of older comic books and i could both tell you about the long story of carol danvers who's a character who's been kicking around for almost 50 years i think i gotta tell you jason i think you're actually alone in this one well i i bought i bought issues i have somewhere in a plastic box somewhere in my garage issues of uh ms marvel from the 70s and she has been she was a character in the in the late 60s early 70s i think captain marvel series which was a different character which was a guy uh, named marvel who is adapted here Annette Benning is Marvel in this movie. Mm-hmm. Spoilers for Captain Marvel. Really, don't listen to this episode if you haven't seen it, unless you want to be spoiled ah. about it. Um, but because why would you do that again? Why <laughs> would you do that? But anyway, she don't she had it. a long history. She was given her own uh, series as Ms. Marvel, uh, tying into the uh, '70s uh, era of of uh, feminism, and she was the feminist superhero, which is why she was Ms. Marvel. You see, and then over time, she had different character aspects she was um she her powers were stolen by rogue from the x-men at one point and then she got new cosmic powers and she was binary for a while and then um eventually i think went back to being ms marvel um she was uh, in shield for a while they did all sorts of things with carol danvers so carol danvers never really had a um a a a particular kind of like character Name that she inhabited for a long period of time. It kept changing, but but the character of Carol Danvers kept staying in the comics. And then ultimately, what happened was in the last decade or so, um, what they decided to do. So the original Captain Marvel was famously killed off in a graphic novel in the eighties. I want to say. Um, the death of Captain Marvel, and of course, unlike almost every character in comics, he's more or less stayed dead the whole time. And then uh, in the last decade, they had the brilliant idea of taking Carol Danvers, who was Ms. Marvel and was always tied to Captain Marvel, and making her Captain Marvel. And there have been several runs, and, and, and the, the, the movie is basically all based on that so rather than this long history there are bits from the history that are kind of plumbed and used in various parts of this movie with the the cree and all of that but the core story which is that carol danvers is a fighter pilot in the air force and a test pilot and um ends up with these kind of cosmic powers and is able to fly uh, do things that actually it's funny in the marvel cinematic universe um i i read somebody speculated that she may be the most powerful superhero in the marvel cinematic universe and i think it might be true she can fly she's got she can blow up spaceships with her photon bursts like she is super powerful but it's all based on on the um on the work of the last um the last decade or so of of this character which is interesting so they've got 50 years of history but they're really only focusing on the last 10 which i think is smart and not
4: just the last 10 but specifically kelly sue deconix
0: yeah Mm-hmm. Runs, exactly.
4: which I thought was sort of notable, which is yeah. the only reason I have vague knowledge at best.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. And that, that's where the costume design and, and all of that stuff is coming out of.
3: I was aware of the character, um, but. I had seen her in a couple of Avengers issues here and there. I was aware that she had appeared in X Men here and there, but all I know of her really is having read some of the initial stuff that Kelly Sue DeConnick did, mm. and um, and she made Carol Danvers into a confident badass, and ever she has been, and that's sort of the character as as it's been in comics, like you said, for the last ten years. Mm-hmm.
1: When you first asked the question, I was going to say I didn't know a lot going in, and then Annette answered, and I was like, okay, I know more than that. Um, <laughs> I've seen every single Marvel movie, most of them more than once, um, and I, I don't know why, but I just love them so much. Um, and so I had sort of a familiarity with like the universe and like sort of some of the stuff leading up to her appearance, but somehow I completely missed all of Carol Danvers in the comics. I was familiar with like the name um, and a little bit of sort of the more recent runs with Captain Marvel versus the new Miss Marvel, uh, Ms. Marvel, but I I don't think I've ever read a Carol Danvers hmm. comic ever, somehow. Um, so I and I also tried not to watch trailers for it as much as I could going in. So um,
0: I was mm-hmm. pretty surprised by most of the content of this movie. Well that's good. That's good. I think that that is the big to me the big biggest difference in terms of comparing this to something like wonder woman is that wonder woman i feel like has just been in our culture for so long um and and i feel like you, it would be hard not to pick up at least some opinion about wonder woman from just the osmosis basically because wonder woman has been around for a long long time whereas carol danvers versus captain marvel is uh, I I think a, a blank slate in terms of for, especially for moviegoers like unless you're really into comics you're not going to know anything about her and so there's this mystery of what's her story why is she Marvel of all of the characters that are in Marvel comics she's the one who carries the name of the company with her basically which is kind of intriguing um, mm-hmm. all right let's let's dive into the movie I wanted to start with the the um the time frame and the structure of the movie because I think those are the things that are the most interesting and most different from other um. Marvel movies it's set uh, in in 1995 so it's the it's it's a movie in the 90s as the trailer showed us Quinn, you may not have seen the trailer, but she crashes into a blockbuster at the beginning of the trailer, gives it away a little bit that this is going to be a period piece. We have a D.H. Samuel L. Jackson looking at the height of his uh, pulp fiction powers. There's a D.H. Clark Aww. Gregg as well. And it is in the 90s. It's an era before there was an Iron Man or any other Avengers. And Captain America was presumably in like an ice cube somewhere and not available. And so we, we get this set in the 90s. And then. Um, so I think that's worth talking about, and then, on top of that, I have to say, um they made a very interesting choice to tell this story out of order, which uh, there are lots of pulp fiction references in this movie i don't I don't <laughs> think of the nonlinear storytelling as a pulp fiction reference, and yet it kind of is uh where they didn't this is not like we meet Carol, she's an air force pilot. She has a boss who is who is a uh, a little bit mysterious uh uh, who is Annette Benning? And then they get in a crash, and then aliens show up, and she's taken off to be an alien and she forgets that she's a human and then she comes back to Earth. Like that's a very straightforward origin story. And this movie doesn't tell that story. This movie is Carol or no, sorry, Veers is a an amazing superhero among these Cree superheroes, and then she gets stranded on Earth and discovers that she's actually human. Um so the 90s, super nonlinear. Uh, the way the story gets told for reasons, plot reasons. But um, I thought those were things that made this movie feel really unique. Uh, for those of you who um, lived through the 90s, Quinn, I'm not sure if that disqualifies you. <laughs>
1: I feel personally attacked. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me take a break and tell you about our sponsor. It's Pingdom pingdom the company that makes website performance monitoring easy everybody loves a fast website pingdom is helping to keep your favorite sites online netflix amazon have you heard of them spotify twitter buzzfeed slack just a few of the companies who trust pingdom to take care of their website monitoring because websites today are very complicated this isn't just about is my website up it is about that but it's also about what is going on on your website do the user registrations work? Do logins work? Do checkouts work? Other parts of your website, Pingdom can test them all. And that means your users will get the smoothest site experience possible. And if something happens, because you will be betrayed by your computer eventually, right when you least expect it, they're waiting to betray you. You'll be the first to know because of Pingdom. Super easy to get started. All Pingdom needs is your URL. They will take care of the rest. That's it. Go to pingdom.com Snell, my last name, right now. For a 14-day free trial with no credit card required, and when you sign up, use that code Snell. My last name Snell. S N E L L. At checkout, you'll get 30% off your first invoice. That's huge! Thank you to Pingdom for supporting the incomparable. So, 90s 90, 90 stuff. Any any uh, any thoughts about? She spends most of the most of the uh, movie wearing a uh, a nine inch nails t-shirt, which I have on Good Authority. Somebody on Twitter who was involved in all the nine inch nails merchandising said that's obviously a bootleg. Um, because <laughs> the, the line thickness is wrong. Um, <laughs> but anyway. The, well, and what's interesting
4: is now Nine Inch Nails is sending, selling a limited edition... Of like the same style of shirt, but of it's the Captain Marvel
0: logo. Of of course, of course, mm. of course. And we also Which get, and there's also in addition to the '90s setting and the blockbuster video, and there's a Radio Shack that figures in, and of course the car chase involves older car model styles <laughs> because it's the '90s. Um, and there's also a lot of '90s music. Obviously, we get we get Nirvana, we get uh, we get Hole as well, and of course uh, in the in the climactic fight scene, we get No Doubt. So there's a lot of '90s stuff happening in this movie.
4: And the pager. That
0: was the other thing that yep. really struck me. Yep, pagers, okay. pagers, grunge. Um, he Fury tells her to lose the the flannel at one point because it's the <laughs> grunge era. Um, she looked like
4: a rebellious niece. You know,
0: yeah. I, I, you know, like Captain America as a period piece. I think it's kind of funny that they set this in the 90s. I think that is a is a fun thing. It also makes me feel extremely old.
3: That's, yeah, that's where I was. <laughs> I mean, um, mm-hmm. Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh, I'm. I'm young enough that the music in Guardians of the Galaxy, the soundtrack to that, those movies, really doesn't speak to me. That's stuff that I wasn't really listening to when I was real little and all that. And, you know, and Captain America is totally a period piece. So I was sitting in this theater feeling like, I'm supposed to feel like this is a period piece, but I don't. It feels like yesterday. <laughs> yes. And the, the part where, the only part where I really hit the, hit the rock bottom was when they were waiting on the CD-ROM to load. And I was like, oh my god, it was that long ago, wasn't it?
1: <laughs> that part got a good laugh in my theater.
2: Oh yeah, that was really funny. I, I felt like, because I'm um, 1995, I was 22 this movie just it felt like it was made for me especially coming from the outside perhaps but i just really enjoyed going back to that time period because you do forget how long ago that was and every bit of technology that took forever just Mm. seemed it was delightfully oh the internet
0: cafe scene right that got lots of giggles in the theater as they're very she's very slowly waiting for pages to load and the the progress bar in windows windows 95 people that made me laugh Mm -hmm. a lot windows 95 there it is yeah i'm i'm
3: I'm very curious about uh Quinn your reaction to this because th- it was the shift from other people's nostalgia to my own nostalgia mm-hmm. and it and it was kind of painful <laughs> emotionally well,
1: the the sort of time period of this was really interesting um so I was not alive in nineteen ninety five um I was alive soon after so but Ow. it was <laughs> sorry <laughs> but it, it was very interesting because i like the very particular nineties setting and feeling of like Blockbuster and Windows 95 and Internet cafes is like, that is not, that's like right before my time, but technically, but it's like very ingrained, I think, in sort of nostalgia culture right now. And so even people my age like to pretend that they remember these things um, and then being big deals. And even, and when I was like growing up on the internet and like a young teen, the older teens um, were always like into that kind of thing and talking about that kind of thing. So it's very ingrained in my mind as a very particular 90s feeling. So even though I didn't live through it, I still recognize everything as like, wow, that's so 90s. I'm sorry if I'm just making you all feel old, but that was my perspective <laughs>
0: That's on it. It's good. I, I, one of the things I like about The Incomparables, we, we we can cover the gamut in terms of generations. And by that, I mean, mm-hmm. from you to Dr. Drang. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's a, Hi, shout out to Dr. Drang. Uh, yeah, it was. it is It is a little bit weird. I, Chip, I, I I share your feeling. Well, actually, I the, the my sweet spot is the 80s, which is why Guardians doesn't quite hit it. And this doesn't quite hit it. This is my um, kind of college and post-college era here but still um, I think I think it's fun like again Marvel has made more than 20 of these movies now they all should have ideally they should not all feel the same right and then Mm -hmm. by setting this movie in the 90s By that alone, you have done something to make this movie feel a little different than every other Marvel movie, which I think is a good thing.
1: And I just one more note on this, as I love especially the inclusion of the pager as sort of a plot element. And I mean, obviously, they had planned this out before um, Avengers, where you have... Um, the the pager show up and it was like, why is this a pager? Um, (laughs) And so that was sort of like this great hint that this was going to be, that that Captain Marvel was going to be sort of this period piece. Um, But I, I just think that it works so well in the movie as like, there there are so many movies that in the modern day have to do something to sort of inhibit communication um, because communication is so like ever present and Mm -hmm. always happening now that, that, putting it back in this time just made that way easier, but still allowed that little, when it could be there, it was there when it was necessary for the plot. And then when it wasn't, it wasn't. Um, and then it led to that beautiful little like extra vintage pager thing that I hope continues to be a thing with the next Avengers movie.
0: There's a, um a plot point in, I want to say the last season of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, where they all get cell phones and there's a wink to the camera, essentially where they're like, wow, this would have made our lives easier earlier. And it's one of those things. It's like, yeah, yeah. Show TV shows and movies before a certain date, there's this whole set of things you can do with plots that you can't do when everybody can communicate with everyone else instantaneously, which is why we end up with movies where people like lose their phones or go into a dead zone or something like that, because otherwise they would solve the plot and then there wouldn't be a movie. Um, but so good times. Oh, the 90s. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Remember that. Yeah. Um, Another thing that's interesting about this movie um, is how many parallels it makes mentioning guardians of the galaxy in the movies or the music in guardians. Um, this is not guardians of the galaxy three. And yet it is very clearly on the shelf of the Marvel movie library with guardians of the galaxy. Right. So we have it's
4: like guardians one half.
0: Yeah. Yeah, exactly right. Guardians zero. Um, <laughs> because, um and I thought in some clever ways. So they're treading a lot of cosmic Marvel ground here. We've got the Cree. We've got two characters from Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Lee Pace as Ronan. Um and uh Jemin Hansu also is a character in in uh in uh Guardians who is brought back here, but but you know, before Korath, yeah. Korath, right. Before they were in that movie, because this is set earlier. It's not the nineties in space, but it's still earlier than whatever years they're counting by. Um and so we got those characters. I I noticed that they used the exact same style of, um, of like subtitle, like captions for what planet you're on as guardians of the galaxy, which I thought was very effective in sort of like, just trying to make you feel like, Oh, it's kind of like when guardians of the galaxy went from planet to planet to planet, it's doing the same sort of thing because, um, you know, right down to the fact that there is period music here from a different period. Like, uh, I can see, and Nicole Perlman is one of the credited screenwriters too, who wrote, um, who is co-credited for Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, there's definitely some DNA in in common between these movies, which I think is I think is quite right. Like. I I think the cosmic Marvel stuff is complicated and weird and uh, saying we're on Hala and then we're on this planet and then we're on this other planet. It's kind of nice to be able to, to use a little shorthand that maybe people who remember the guardians movies are like, Oh yeah, it's planets. (laughs) You don't need to know them, but at least know that, that it's like guardians. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I also feel like this movie was sort of a bridge between the cosmic space adventures movies um which is mostly guardians um and then and like the Thor ragnarok
0: of, maybe but yeah that's about yeah, it right a little
1: bit Thor ragnarok but then and then the earth-based shield focused movies right um, which is not all of the earth ones but quite a few of them and i think that it it draws a line between those two little universes of marvel movies that hasn't been drawn before
0: yeah i think that's fun the um when i first see Pegasus, right, which is where Annette Benning's character, who is revealed to be Marvel, um, is working with. With uh, it turns out the Tesseract, which we saw in Captain America and then in the Avengers, and 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 a few times since then. Uh, and I was not at all surprised when the Tesseract finally appeared only because, one, I remember Project Pegasus was always about the the Cosmic Cube in the comics. But two, um, in the Avengers, that's where the Cosmic Cube is, is in Project Pegasus. That's That's where it ends up. So it's kind of a a through line they're retroactively placing a through line there about this is the government's attempt to figure out how to use the the tesseract and and the first step was that an alien came and tried to make some special technology out of it um which is which is kind of funny
4: and then another alien came and swallowed it
0: (laughs) time for another break let me tell you about chegg our sponsor chegg is a leader in online study help As you're listening to this, I am taking my daughter on uh, college prep tours for colleges she's gotten into because she's going to college in the fall. Chegg is a leader in online study help for college students and other students. Search for free scholarships, browse course reviews, get 24-7 study help rent textbooks for a fraction of the cost of your bookstore all in one big education redefining student hub you can also tap into chegg's massive library of step-by-step textbook solutions everything from accounting biology and calculus to mechanical engineering the chegg study app can help when you're studying for a midterm prepping for a final exam or struggling with homework and if you need help with a tough problem right away you can use the chegg study app to snap a quick picture and submit it instantly to the experts i would love this when I was going to the University of California, San Diego, and I think my daughter will love it wherever she ends up this fall, uh, textbooks, access directly to textbooks, that would have saved a lot of money. Certainly would have helped with studying, um, but I went back in the day where everything was on pa- pieces of paper. Yeah, it was barbaric. It was. It's not anymore, though, thanks to Chegg. $5 off of your first month's subscription. That's right. You heard me. Go to Chegg.com slash Skeletor right now. I love that code. C-H-E-G-G dot com slash Skeletor and use the promo code Skeletor. Check out Chegg dot com slash Skeletor promo code Skeletor. Thank you to Chegg for supporting the incomparable. Uh, any thoughts about the linear storytelling, like, or the nonlinear storytelling that they, they made a choice here to start us with Carol as Veers and um, have her kind of like unravel her origin story, which is a, a different way to do an origin story. How did everybody um, feel about the, the way they chose to do that?
4: I liked that we got to unravel it with her. And I thought that's what made it work. Like, we, like she didn't really have a relationship with her best friend. And then they got to know each other through that process again for Carol. And I liked that she was figuring out as we were figuring out. And that was, for me, that was the part that was really compelling.
1: I feel like this movie kind of represented that idea of start in the middle, um, where it really did start in the middle of her story rather than in the beginning, as you described it literally earlier. And then that, but that causes the problem of like, well, the audience doesn't know what's going on. So it's like, okay, well, she doesn't know what's going on either. Mm. And so as she sort of pieces together everything, um, just like you were saying, like we piece it together as well. And I really liked that because I truly did not know what was going on. Um, and so for me, it was really fun to unravel that story. I enjoyed it.
3: For me, I had enough comics knowledge that I was bringing with me that the first third of the movie was a little, um, little less engaging for me because i i had I had more of a sense of where it was going, and I knew more than uh, Veers did at the time. Um, the hints that were being dropped, I was like, "Oh, okay, that's Carol. That's Carol in her airplane. Things like that." But, like we were saying at the beginning, you know, she's not a household name character. so i I, I envy I envy the rest of you all for being able to uh, take the ride at the intended pace,
2: yeah, that was definitely <laughs> me because I didn't know anything. Uh, confession. I was a little confused because I was like, isn't Supergirl Kara Danvers? Are they related? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs>
0: They're not. It's Marvel and DC, but yes. I know.
2: I'm like, I'm really sorry, but I spent quite a bit of time trying to figure out how they fit together. Mm. They don't. They don't. I know that now. Um, But no, I I did feel from someone coming in really fresh, because that's one of the things that stops me from going to a lot of the Marvel movies is I'm afraid that if I don't watch all of them, I can't watch any of them. So going into a movie like this where I can just watch the movie and go for the ride with the character like this felt very reassuring and entertaining.
3: Every one of these movies really ought to be, w- maybe with the exception of Avengers Endgame um, and, 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 Conce- and Infinity War, every one of these movies ought to be something that anybody coming in off the street cold should be able yeah. to enjoy. That's mm-hmm. always been the platonic ideal of comic books.
0: Especially the yeah. non-sequels, right? Like Black Panther is a good example of that, where you should be able to just go to Black Panther and it figure it out, right? And, you know, maybe not Ant-Man of the Wasp, maybe you need to have seen Ant-Man, but certainly when it's just a standalone movie that doesn't have any uh, previous versions, it's not a sequel, it should be able to stand on its own, which is what this movie is trying to do. Like, you get get a benefit knowing where Nick Fury ends up, for example, but you don't need to know things about Nick Fury because that's not how it's handled.
2: Yeah, I did know... um... Both, uh, Coulson and Nick Fury, though, because I did see the first Avengers movie and I watched some of Agents of Shield, so I was like, oh yeah, but I, I did, I didn't know it. Like they seemed oddly young, and I spent, especially (laughs) with, is it Clark Gregg? Yeah, I, I was like, is that the same actor or is it someone they put his voice in? And. I, yeah, that was kind of so cool.
0: So Lola, which is an effects company that has has specialized in de-aging actors. And Annette, if you ever watch Ant-Man mm-hmm. um, or Ant-Man and the Wasp, you'll see uh, Michael Douglas, especially. There are flashbacks to Michael Douglas in the 80s and 90s. And it's like Wall Street Michael Douglas. And it's the same thing where Lola has specialized in this ability to de-age actors for yeah. shots. and. It is kind of amazing because Clark Gregg's in this a little bit. Samuel L. Jackson is in this a lot. And he just looks like, I mean, he looks like Pulp Fiction Samuel L. Jackson, except, you know, less, a little less shaggy, but because he's uh, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent, but, and not a hitman, but like, it's, it's well done. He doesn't look fake at all, I thought. I thought it was super effective, both of them.
2: It took about five minutes and I forgot. Yep. I didn't even notice Samuel L. Jackson, possibly because I he's, that version of him seems so familiar. It didn't strike me with him at all. I was like, oh, that's just him. Until later, I realized, oh, yeah, he's a little older than that now, isn't he?
3: Yeah. That was the part of the movie that I was the most anxious about. Because even even um, Michael Douglas in the Ant-Man movies was a little too Uncanny Valley for me. I agree. Uh but mm-hmm. this no it 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 was it was perfect it was scarily perfect
0: yeah, to the point where I, I was, like in Rogue One, where I was kind of looking at the Peter Cushing CGI character and being a little, which is different because the actor was performing this. It was, you know, whereas Peter Cushing's been dead a long time and they had somebody performing as him. But in that, I kept thinking about like the shots that they were using and are they trying to hide this and all of that. And I just forgot in Captain Marvel. I mean, I knew that he was being de-aged, but it just, my brain finally just disengaged. just un- I unclenched and I was like, it's fine. And like, just watch it as a movie and- stop thinking about the fact that Samuel L. Jackson doesn't look like that anymore because this happened 30 years ago or 25 years ago. It's it's just forget it. Forget it.
1: Unclenched is such a good way to put that. Like <laughs> mm-hmm. when they first, when they first appeared on screen, I was like, wow, they look different. Okay. And then I just continued watching the rest of the movie because I was like, it's, I can't, if I spend too much time thinking about this, my brain will latch on and I need to just go on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's just, uh, uh, they did a great job. I think that's the bottom line is like when you, when you finally kind of Unclench your brain, and they're like, it's just, you know, a flashback. And I don't know how they did it, but it doesn't matter. Yeah. They, seems magical, actually. It, it does. It really oh. does. Can someone do that to me? But isn't that incredible <laughs> that you can afford to do a flashback in a movie or set a whole movie 25 years before mm-hmm. because you can just use computers to make it work? Like, that's kind of amazing, but it works. And Samuel L. Jackson is fun. So Nick Fury, talking about characters in this movie, you know, he's basically, you know, the the mastermind in so many of these other Marvel Cinematic Universe movies. And here he is... um figuring it out right he's like learning and he's basically carol's sidekick for a lot of this movie and i think it's kind of fun because this is you know early fury this is the in the end we kind of see this is the idea the generator of the idea of the avengers for fury that we need to have heroes because there's a lot of crazy stuff going on in outer space that we might need to defend ourselves um and, and so, you know, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed Samuel L. Jackson kind of like riding in a spaceship and tagging along and doing what needs to be done. And he's not as much of a badass as he is in the other MCU movies, because this was 25 years ago when he was still figuring it out. I, 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 I enjoyed the whole thing. I
4: was not expecting it to be a buddy movie. <laughs> yeah. And it kind of was. And I loved mm-hmm. it, but it was unexpected.
1: I love so much about his character in this movie. I thought he was really fun, and, and because he was so unexpected in him being fun at all, because um, he's so much younger and he tests a complete not. You can tell it, it's like the same character. It's not like wow, why is he a complete one hundred and eighty different person? But it's I think a, a pretty realistic version of like here's a person before they've gone through twenty five years of of really difficult things, um, and I think it did a couple of really great things besides just being fun and showing how much he loves cats, which was great. Um, (laughs) But also I think that they would, I don't know if this has been announced or just talked about, but I'm sure that Marvel would love to do a Nick Fury movie at some point. Um, And I feel like this set that up where they would probably place that movie like post Carol Danvers, but where he's um, sort of where he becomes more jaded and you see what he goes through in between um, like, the Captain Marvel and the Iron Man movies. Um, and I also just like how this movie set up Captain Marvel um, and her relationship with Nick Fury as like the impetus for kind of everything that comes after. And you see, it sort of fills in that gap of what the motivation was behind Nick Fury knowing about the dangers out there and why he's so proactively on the lookout for superheroes as soon as they start popping up in those
0: earlier movies later time. Yeah, that that's a clever... Again, to make this movie something that you can watch without knowing anything about the other Marvel movies, but I, th- I think they did a good job of making it meaningful. If you've seen the other Marvel movies, especially if you've seen, you know, the earlier ones where S.H.I.E.L.D. starts to appear that now you've got or, you know, and if you watched like Agent Carter or something, you get some of that vibe, too. But it's like this is the, you know, before the MCU, as we know, it started, there were things going on and it and retroactively makes you rethink how you think of of Nick Fury. And and, you know, she so in the post credit scene there, you know, at the end of Avengers Infinity War, Nick Fury pulls out the Captain Marvel pager, and we don't know what it is other than that it's got that symbol on it, and he calls for help. And in the post credit scene, or mid credit scene, I guess, uh, the remaining Avengers are looking at it and saying they're, they should reboot it, and they powered it for a while, and they're hoping that the message gets there. And then the camera pans, and Carol's standing there, and she's like, where's Fury? And it's funny, because in that moment, you're like wow, this new character we just met totally has seniority on everybody we've been watching for the last decade. (laughs) it's a good even, trick. even cap even captain america he's been frozen in ice for so
3: long yeah, she's probably right it's, got a good, years it's a good on trick. they
0: don't know her because she's been out in space doing who knows what which is fun because presumably there's more to her story that we could hear as well but um i love that about it that this is this is uh, one of the the beauties of this thing that we've never seen before in film where you have a shared universe across a couple of dozen movies and you can start to slide the pieces around like that and so by by uh uh, taking it back in time. and and you know, it is a fury Nick Fury prequel, but it's really not because he's a supporting character. And yet it does inform sort of his his trajectory. Also his trust for Colson, because Colson's only in a couple of scenes, but there is that scene where he is forced to decide whether he's going to believe the the big boss who is saying we have to hunt down Fury or whether he needs to trust uh, Fury. And he trusts Fury. And so there's the root of his loyalty and their their bond that we see in in the early. MCU movies, we see it there.
4: And one thing I liked was, was sort of watching... I guess he's Agent Exasperation at this point because he's not quite <laughs> to yet.
0: Seeing... <laughs> Look, his mom calls him Exasperation. His siblings call him Exasperation. <laughs> Everybody calls him Exasperation.
4: But I liked seeing... And I feel like it was probably hard to do because he's been playing this character for so long. Now he has to go back and play this character, but new... Yeah, kind of. And I liked seeing the seeds of who he ultimately becomes, who we see later. And so it was really interesting. And then that credit scene, I am very excited to find out how that's going to play out.
0: Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's I mean, that that's the big reveal here, which we all sort of saw coming. Um, but if if you saw Avengers Infinity War and, the, and that last scene, but in this, very much the whole point of that mid credit scene is to show Carol among the Avengers and say, Captain Marvel will return in Avengers Endgame, which is in like seven weeks or six weeks or something. It's not that far away. But this wow. is an interesting little reveal, which is Marvel has managed to make these two giant uh, continuity heavy avengers movies um the one from last year and the one from this year and then inserts this movie in between them and says actually this movie is very important for that other movie that's a nice trick very nice trick can we talk about brie larson yes that can was next, talk on, about my list, next on my list list, let's talk about <laughs> brie larson as carol as veers and then carol danvers captain carol danvers test pilot extraordinaire and also with all the superpowers uh how are we feeling about brie larson as, as carol
2: I adored her. Yeah, I thought she was great.
0: Yeah. The, the
3: the Captain Marvel character in the comics, what little I've seen of the Kelly Sue DeConnick stuff. I, I initially thought that Brie Larson might be a little not imposing enough. Um, the comic book character seems taller, if that's possible. I don't know. Um, but it doesn't take long. That that opening scene where uh, she's in training uh, with Jude Law, um, she is imposing right then and there. Um and, and she just, she just doesn't care either. She's got an attitude about her that is delightful. She never apologizes. She never, she, she is, she is comfortable with it within her own skin, uh, except for the point when she's starting to doubt her memories and then she comes back to that point. Um, um, she's, She's she's a captain. She's a leader. She's right right from right from the beginning.
0: Yeah, I think it's telling that one of their consultants on this movie was um, Jeannie Levitt, who's a brigadier general in the U.S. Air Force and was the first um, female fighter pilot in the Air Force. And that's what I got from her performance here. Even when she, even when Brie Larson doesn't have all of her human memories and all of that, like there's a sense of Gravitas and of kind of being a no nonsense, no BS kind of person from the very beginning with her, and I, I I'm not surprised that Brie Larson spent time with fighter pilots and a lot of Air Force personnel and all of that because I think that's one of the character. I think actually, Car- you know, Carol Danvers has that too, and I think that it they they were wise to bring that in here where she's very you know, she, she's, uh, yeah, she's a, she's an air force captain. She is a fighter pilot. And in the end, you know, she doesn't need a plane anymore. (laughs) She can do the (laughs) flying her own damn self, but, um, but she's got that demeanor and it's, and it's, uh, it's interesting to see how that's performed. She does a good job. I, I agree, but it is very much to me. It struck me that she's very much a, um, a take no BS, um, fighter pilot demeanor the whole way through.
4: Well, and some of the off-screen stuff sort of underscores that. They talked about the time she spent at Nellis with uh, an actual uh, active serving unit of fighter pilots and all kinds of questions. And I think the Brigadier General that you're talking about, um, she said, like, Brie Larson asked how you carry your helmet bag and all these different things, like, very particular, specific questions. And then finding out that she physically trained for a year to do this, and the video of her pushing a Jeep up a hill with a full tank of gas and a guy in it, <laughs> and the thing about how, like, she can deadlift 225 pounds in order to get to do this part. Like, she took it so seriously. And once again, we have a comic book movie with an unbelievable exercise regimen that I would fail miserably at doing. But if you wanted to put out some sort of exercise program for people like me, who want to be Captain Marvel when they grow up, that'd be awesome.
2: Yeah, I really felt she the way she presented herself, she didn't need her superpowers to take pretty much anyone down, even though those are awesome. But she had a real strength about her in terms of physical strength, as well as strength of character that she just yeah, she was very strong. And yet, when she started reconnecting with her human side, there, she didn't lose that strength and sort of seriousness. But also you saw her sort of soften towards, uh, I think it's Marianne Monica, her friend and her daughter, Right. that I really, it, yeah, it's just like, all of a sudden, you sort of saw her become more human in those moments as well.
0: Yeah, I really like that section of the movie where they're in um, in Louisiana at the Rambo's house and, you know, she's one of her, her colleagues, one of her fellow uh, fighter pilots and one of the women pilots and so they definitely had a bond and then carol obviously disappeared when she was taken away by the cree and um and she's got her cute little uh daughter i will say for those who don't know the comics um there have been several characters who've been captain marvel over the years um one of the characters who was captain marvel is um monica rambo the little girl in this movie was also captain marvel in the comics for a while which is a it's just a really like nice uh hat tip to, uh, to those characters that they sort of like move them around and put them in this movie as the, as the Rambo family but it is it's nice to see them together I, I, I like yeah I like I like the flashback too where it is without a lot of time being spent on it very clear that it was difficult for women mm-hmm. to be pilots in that era and in that era too when women were not allowed in combat operations uh, Maria says basically like we ended up having to be test pilots because they wouldn't let us fly in combat which is true basically so it's not true that they were like test pilots for cree scientists with secret light speed drives that part's not true probably probably. Nellis as Air Force Base, you, know. you never know. It Area were. 51, anything is possible. But but uh, the but the, but the fact that women fighter pilots had, uh, and pilots in general, had a hard time in the Air Force in that era is absolutely true. So that they bonded over that as well, and that they showed them playing, like, in the in the bar. Bars of Right Stuff reference, by the way. The Right Stuff shows up several times. So this mm-hmm. idea of astronauts and fighter pilots and test pilots, and, and that attitude is pervasive in this movie, um, because that's who Carol is. And in the end, end she gets to fly around without needing a plane i mean i kind of love that right like she's got the weapons and she's got the flying um and she's got the demeanor she just doesn't need anybody but herself because she is she is powerful unto herself in the end of this movie
3: kelly sue DeConnick, uh the comic writer said that uh captain marvel and captain america are very similar characters because uh they they're they both they're both they both have to have the superpower they always get back up after they're knocked down. The difference is that Captain America always gets up because it's the right thing to do. And Carol always gets up because F you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a lot of thoughts kind of relating to this stuff about the development of her character and specifically the development of her superpowers. Because when we, we got, to, we get to this scene um, where it's sort of shown how she actually received these powers which have gone unexplained for most of the movie Um, and you see that she chooses uh, to, to shoot an energy core which then pours the energy into her body which is what gives her these powers and I feel like that moment was so pivotal in my understanding of her character because I think it was so different than the way we've seen any other hero receive their superpowers. Um you have people who are kind of born into something like Thor. You have people who just completely random events happen like Spider-Man. We've had people like Iron Man who um sort of built something but still like were really stumbling around with it um and didn't necessarily like like they had a skills, but they didn't necessarily earn what they had in the first place, whereas she not, it wasn't like someone bestowed powers upon her because she was a good person, but like she made a very difficult choice and chose to do the right thing and that ended up giving her superpowers. Um, And not only that, she was incredibly well trained beforehand and afterwards to be a fighter pilot, um, even though she wasn't allowed to fly, but she was in the military, she's well trained in combat, she was part of like the Cree army afterwards and I just drew this back that I find that almost every female hero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is similarly, like, expertly trained. You've got Captain Marvel and Black Widow, the Wasp, all of the women in the Black Panther. Whereas not all, but most of the male heroes fall into, like, a former, the category where they kind of stumble into powers and, or get them in a different way. or And so they, like, become skilled over time. And it's, like, they get... Grain, gain that great responsibility over time is she like had great responsibility and so therefore got the great power afterwards. Yeah. Like I said, I've, I just find that sort of the most interesting pivotal part of my understanding of her character. Um, and then I think that the the only other similar thing is like, with Captain America. But I think even then it wasn't like a hero's choice that he made. It was like, he wanted to be a hero and he wanted to serve his country, but it was still ultimately like a contained experiment, whether, whereas hers was much farther along sort of on her personal journey with this. And then it changed everything. Uh, that was all a lot of jumbled thoughts, but I'd love to hear what other people thought about this particular <laughs> thing.
2: I think it's also was really interesting how um, her controlling her emotions was she's trained to confine them control them don't give in to them which of course is what we're always told we're too emotional as women and that's how the krell were training her to to in saying that would enhance her skill and enhance her powers but in the end it was actually the opposite was true like releasing her anger in it to me it was anger and sort of like that seeking justice for these people the other is it the scrolls but yeah so like releasing her her emotions was what um and removing whatever they were put on her to kind of confine her powers freed her so that's that that was an interesting choice It, it did feel a little bit gendered in the sense that you know we're not supposed to be emotional so just let us
0: yeah, this, this this movie does some really interesting tricks with your expectations. And like yon <laughs> Jude Law, in that opening scene where she wakes him up and they go spar, it is a apprentice and master relationship, right? He is Obi-Wan. He is teaching her... Oh, you have to, you know, or it's like every Kung Fu movie too. It's like, you need to control your emotions. You need to, you know, you need to, don't (laughs) let them rule you. I I will help you be a better person.
4: It was fantastic. I really enjoyed that she, that was the moment when she stopped playing by his rules and recognized that they were his and his alone.
3: Yeah. the, The sort of, sort of laying down the expectation that he's doing the Ben Kenobi thing. And that's and that's supposedly and 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 I'm sitting here as a guy who's not used to being told by others to regulate my emotions and so on and so on. And I'm just sort of sitting there, uh, just sort of lapping it up and buying it and taking it at face value because that's what Luke was always told that he had to do. And um, and then it and and it's not and it's not that
0: at it, all right that is and it goes it is i think brilliant in that way where it turns out uh no they're trying to keep you down right like that's mm-hmm. ba- bottom line carol is like you are there they have a little thing stuck in your neck that is that is it is yeah mm-hmm. it is suppressing mm-hmm. more star wars uh it is suppressing it's disney marvel whatever they're all the same um <laughs> it, it is uh it is um suppressing your power and when he's telling you these things to be helpful he's not helping you he's actually um undercutting you and gaslighting you and yeah and that leads to that moment at the end where he takes off all his stuff and he's like you fight me for real and she's like no dude that's not gonna happen and she blasts him with a photon burst like it's such a great moment and i'm sure for women it has uh, much more resonance than it does for for me as a guy but i i can recognize exactly what happened there which is mm-hmm. he is gaslighting her and undercutting her and underselling her so that she is uh you know subservient to him and will do what and thinks that she's not good enough and that he has to tell her what to do
2: i think in, when i saw the f- fight scene in the beginning i was thinking the same thing as you jason where it just felt like well that's always what happens right like very typical so so then by the end of the movie when you have him saying those same same things it felt really different in in uh like so much creepier you're just like dude just shut up and so when and i i was hoping i'm like just go be indiana jones (laughs) and when she did it was so good it's like just shoot him and yeah it's like yes (laughs) It's amazing. Yeah. The
3: fact that uh, the fact that I saw it coming made it no less satisfying.
0: I was hoping for it. Like, yeah, yeah. And, but I I was I was delighted. Well, and and just before that, you know, like she has she has discovered something remarkable that the movie sits on for a long time, which possibly is possibly too long. Which is po- yeah, possibly, but like she is way more powerful than they want to let her know. Like the Cree have been suppressing her power. They don't want her to realize just how powerful she is. And so when she has that moment where she, you know, she breaks off the little disk and and rejects the supreme intelligence in the on the spaceship and uh falls through the atmosphere and ends up flying, it's like, oh. <laughs> like she's so much more powerful. They really were just trying to keep her on a manageable level and and not let her fulfill her potential, right? Like mm-hmm. that was her mentor was not there to help her fulfill her potential. He was there to suppress her and, and control. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's quite a quite a thing. Quite a thing. Um, and that leads to the most appropriate uh combat music. Um, that the movie could possibly have had, <laughs> thanks to no doubt, and Gwen Stefani. Yes, just a girl plays as she as she fights the, and which again is a an escalation. It's the big end of the movie fight scene that you have to have in a Marvel movie, I guess. But I felt it was different in this case because I can't remember a Marvel movie where what you're really doing is, I mean, maybe Age of Ultron is like it a little bit, but like her goal is to let the everybody else escape. And mm-hmm. and delay these guys who used to be her team until until they can get out. And it, it felt you know, it is a big explosive, blasty, climactic fight scene. To no to no doubt's just a girl. Absolutely. Um but uh I don't know, it felt a little different to me because we kept intercutting with all the refugees basically trying to pile on the spaceship and get out of there.
2: When that song came on, that that was like possibly the happiest (laughs) moment in the movie for me because i love that song Mm -hmm. so much and i didn't expect it at all and i i actually get bored by fight scenes and i didn't get bored by (laughs) by it i was just just keep playing that music and keep going i don't care so well this
4: is one of those moments
2: that was sort of i know because it was the big fight scene but it was sort of small
4: because she was fighting for a specific group of people to help
0: Mm -hmm. this
4: group of people on this ship escape and and get out and do what they were trying to do and the the rest of the time you know we're seeing people fight for earth for our galaxy for our universe for all these great great big things and this was a very small moment relatively for because she's not fighting for the whole universe or all of earth or anything like that she's fighting for this group of people that came out of the woodwork so to speak when the ship was unveiled and it was really nice to see that's what she was doing. And that was her motivation.
2: I think she is also reclaiming herself, though. So it's it's not just for them, but it's her sort of reclaiming her power, her identity, and escaping from who are suppressing her.
1: Yeah, there's a certain amount of joy in that scene beyond the fight, because I think that's the moment where, like... I think she realizes that she is more powerful mm-hmm. than the people she's fighting. And she does. I don't think she's really worried about herself at all in that scene. I mean, she's trying to to help her friends and to help the people that she's protecting. And so that's what the stakes are. But the stakes are not for her there. That's sort of almost a celebration of her newfound power and her realization that she is more powerful than the people who are keeping her down.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, she can fight her entire team, whereas they had kind of leveled her down to be... Um, it's like a role-playing game or something like they got to take her down a bunch of levels to get to be her to be kind of an equal of everybody else on the team and in this now she's not she's very clearly not and she can she can fight all of them and it is cathartic in that way which that's a great song for that too i i i agree i think it's a really good song choice as she does all of that um yeah it, it just it felt it totally felt different for me i don't know what it is either um It it just, there's something about it. It didn't feel like, you know, a lot of like Wonder Woman actually falls prey to this and that's a movie I really love. But the end is a, you know, it's like the end of every superhero movie. (laughs) And and this felt a little different, which I liked because I, I, again, there are a billion superhero movies now. I want them to mix it up. That's, that's what makes, I want to be surprised. I want to see something I haven't seen before. Yeah. did we need
3: the um did we need Ronan the accuser well did we need Ronan mm. the accuser you know but did we need the aliens coming in to drop bombs on the earth? Uh, did we need that heightened bit
0: of uh, no. wor- save the world drama I mean, only to see Carol literally blow up whole spaceships, <laughs> which is, it's nice, like, to have her, like, really explode in terms of what her powers are to the point where, like, how powerful is she that she can do all of this? But I agree there was a product line marketing Thing happening there where it was like let's get back Lee Pace from Guardians of the Galaxy and this is him earlier and oh and and it, they had to set those the accusers up earlier so that they could bring them back here and have them be this extra line and I kind of agree I get I get why they did it to give Carol that great moment but it also felt like like one layer too much frosting on the cake to me and Lee Pace by the way really good actor um hoped that when they brought him back because he he dies in guardians of the galaxy right hope when they brought him back here it would be like finally we're going to give him more to do because i think ronan is like the least interesting villain in any marvel movie nope nope he's a hologram for most of it and then he has a couple of lines and he's still super boring and is defeated and turns and runs and oh well not that interesting
1: the scene of them uh just flying away from her is pretty
0: great though yeah, I mean there's great mm-hmm. mo- I I love the whole thing like she like smashes through spaceships and stuff like it's 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 just her defeating this whole like all of those are smashes through I guess missiles or whatever it is, right? And then they they're like we're we're out of here. We're afraid of this one person. So, oh, we'll come back for the the woman. She is powerful or whatever he says. And I don't know. Yeah, there's good stuff in it, but it did it did feel like how many different parentheses of <laughs> jeopardy do we need here at the end of the movie?
4: as much as I loved watching her punch a spaceship in the nose, I do, it felt like it took a really long time to get there. Mm-hmm. And I didn't need, I didn't need the Ronin stuff to make that happen.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I actually, I have the same feeling about the, um, the big opening, um, action scene where they're doing the kind of military, which is I think intentional because she given Carol's background, what we find out the military raid, um, at the very beginning with her and her team, um, which felt absolutely felt like a video game level to me. Like the whole thing felt like a video game. Um, it felt kind of unnecessary. And as I was watching it, I was thinking, are they really just doing this to set up various plot threads that they need to have so that they can resolve them later? And um, the answer is yes. Like they need to introduce the scrolls. We need to know who they are and how they work. But um, that was actually the thing in the movie that worked for me. The least was that opening raid that they do with her and her team. It just, it left me cold. Cause that, that did feel like, like every superhero movie ever to me.
4: I think I actually thought at one point when we were watching that, like, haven't you ever watched
0: another superhero movie? This is an ambush. <laughs> right? Or or played a video game, to be honest. It's like, right. of course that's what it is. Of course that's what it is. I get what they're doing. They're trying to show the teamwork, that her and her team, because we're supposed to feel like her team is what this movie is supposed to be about. And it's not, because then there's all this change, and it turns out it's not what we thought it was. Which, you know, again, I know too much for that scene to... to hook me like that. I know that this is not what what I'm seeing now. And so that's probably part of it too. Um I want to mention the other thing this movie does that goes against your expectations that I thought was incredibly clever. And again, I think if you were somebody um like Annette or maybe Quinn who doesn't have a lot of background here, it 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 is not necessary. But I think what it does do is if anybody's got any comic book knowledge at all, it makes it harder for you to see the plot twists. Not easier, which is, I have to say somebody with some comic book knowledge, I thought it was really great. So, the Skrulls are bad guys. They're always bad guys. They've been bad guys in comics for 50 years. Ben Mendelssohn is always a bad guy. He always plays a bad guy, and he's Talos in this, <laughs> the lead Skrull on Earth. Um and for half the movie, they're bad guys and they're the threat, and Carol is trying to stop them or Veers is trying to stop them, and uh, they've taken over Nick Fury's boss's uh, role and and he's he's a he's you know he's taken over and he's misguiding how the agents of Shield are acting and all this stuff, and then it turns out oh no they're refugees on the run from the Kree who are trying to wipe them out, and I thought that twist was amazing because I. Everything I knew about Ben Mendelsohn as a bad guy, about the 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 scrolls as characters from comics, is that they are, of course, they're the villains. And um, I, I don't know how it worked for people who didn't know that and whether that twist was was a, a surprise or not. But for me, I was blown away by it because I have I have been taught since I was a little kid that the Skrulls are the bad guys. And they're not the bad guys. They are the good guys, maybe. And the Cree are the bad guys. I, I, I thought that was really clever. I thought it was really well done and, and a great use of Ben Mendelsohn, who is super, like threatening and creepy and then it turns out no he's just trying to save his family
1: yeah i, I had the same thing because i mean i've even though i haven't read captain marvel i've read plenty of comics where the the scrolls are the bad guys and so even when the, the twist happened they started explaining this i was like i don't trust it and <laughs> that's right
2: the movie continued I and i was like oh no th- okay they're telling the truth yeah. i being the least knowledgeable i didn't expect it but possibly because i don't expect that much nuance from a comic book movie. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I was just like, oh, they're the villains. There's the good guys. And because it's, I know it's set in this wide universe. I didn't, I just assumed we were seeing it on a pretty plain, straightforward. I enjoyed it though, because it it does put um, everything that the career doing in a different light, even from the little I'm seeing in this movie, where it's right. just, you, you're, yeah, just, who is the who is the real hero and you assume you're always seeing things from the heroic viewpoint So subverting that was enjoyable
1: it the inclusion of Ronan in this movie was weird on multiple levels with that as well too because you have the one scene where Ronan pops up and he's talking to Jude Law and I'm like, wait Ronan, Wasn't Ronan a bad guy? He's a bad guy, yeah. Wait, but then the movie makes it look like Jude Law is not cooperating with Ronan, so you're like, oh, okay, Ronan's a bad guy, but the Kree themselves are good, he's just a rogue agent, and then you're like, oh, wait, no. Yeah, because in Guardians, (laughs) and this is
0: super obscure, but if you watch and remember Guardians of the Galaxy, he's sort of, the way he's introduced is that he's a terrorist who is actually rebelling against the Kree because the Kree have started to make peace with they don't mention the scrolls in that movie, but they make peace with the Zandarians, which uh, is like Glenn Close and all the little Nova Corps people. Um, and and he's like a he is a renegade Cree who is trying to destroy the people that his people have made peace with. So you could read it that way, which is how I read it too. So, um, but I do think that there is this little little thing you can fall into, which is like wait wait a second, they must be bad guys. And I've talked to a couple of people who are like remembered they remembered Ronan and that he was a bad guy, and so they're like aha, they're the bad guys. Guys, which is not what the movie's trying to do, but depending on your level of knowledge, you might fall into that trap. But I, I, you know, it worked for me, I, I, and I think, and it leads to the movie doing something really interesting, which is talking about, um, again, a real world issue, which is talking about about refugees and about. Um, showing compassion to people who have nowhere to go and and can't you know are on on the run from from their home and they can't go back and that's the story with the Skrulls ultimately is that they are. Um, you know and, and carol says i will find you a home basically let's go and that's how we last see her until the mid credit sequence last see her in the 90s is she's off you know with the spaceship to take them and help them find a home and that that was i was not expecting that twist to to have them go from being the evil shapeshifting aliens that are in every sci-fi movie ever forever <laughs> and to being something much more much different and with Ben Bendelson who is you know a bad guy in lots and lots of movies and they knew it when they cast him it's just i think a very clever move to have have them set that up and then you know make that turn
4: i was the the same way oh the green ones are bad guys i remember them sure they were in every comic war that i read as a kid with crossover issues and all of that, like it was always the scroll and it was always, they were always the bad guys. And so watching this and then the added bonus of we're just refugees and we want a home. And some of us are separated from the rest of our families. Yep. Like twist the knife, like just for the anybody that wasn't already hit over the head with this, hit them over the head some more with this part, which is the only part like, I really liked how they did it, but it was the one part that felt very comic book movie obvious to me was that bit where what they were trying to say about being separated from your family and the refugee, they're refugees and they weren't really the bad guys the whole time. And they're just trying to find a place to live.
0: Yeah. I will say I, I need to watch this movie again to see just how fair it plays with Ben Mendelsohn's character. Cause you know, in those early scenes where they're in their little, um, you know, surfer guises, and then later when he is the 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 shield guy, um, you know, they're acting like pretty much stock bad guys. and Or even before that, when they've got her trussed up upside down and they're probing and her
3: they're mind. And they're probing
0: her mind. Mm-hmm. And so what I want to do is I want to watch it again and see how, like, there are ways to play that, where in hindsight you're like, oh, I see, they weren't... Like, you can see why they were doing it, and it's because she's their enemy, and they're trying to, and they're desperate. Um, I'm not 100% sure that the movie actually will hold up on on rewatch to that, but I'm going to watch for it, because, you know, they, they definitely play it very well as, as that they're bad guys. So, when you watch <laughs> it again knowing they're not the bad guys, does it still make sense? I don't know, but it worked in the moment, for sure. Um, okay, I have uh, one other topic that I wanted to bring up. Which is Goose, the cat slash Flerkin, adorable cat, Uh, from the comics. In the comics, he's named Chewie, and it's enough Star Wars collision that they changed it to a Top Gun reference, which again, we're thinking about Air Force pilots, Top Gun reference Mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, adorable cat. Nick Fury definitely enjoys that cat. And I had, yeah, I had those moments where, uh, and you've got characters saying, no, no, that's not a cat. That's a flurkin. That's an alien. I'm like, okay, you guys are weird. You scrolls are weirdos. It's just a cat. You don't know what a cat is. And then there's that moment when they're, um, going into space on the retrofitted plane and, um, he's like sitting on the dashboard. And I thought that's totally an alien because a cat would not do that. Um, but we end up, you know, it, it, the, the cat Flurkin ends up, uh, eating some scrolls and swallowing the cosmic cube for a while. And then in the final end credit sequence, um, uh, making that sound that any cat owner knows, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is, um, barfing up the cosmic cube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, I hate
4: it when my cat does that. I've heard people in our theater shudder when my family was saying the only thing
0: it was missing is before he makes that noise he needs to go (laughs) a plate plate of meow because that's what our cat does before he before he They they,
3: they had it down pat right down to the he calms down a little bit, and you think that maybe you've dodged the bullet, and then yeah, and out comes the yep, yeah, mm-hmm. and out comes the tesseract. Adorable,
0: <laughs> adorable though, right? Adorable. Like, I want, I need to see, and it turns out in the comics, this has actually happened. I need to see Rocket Raccoon and Goose the Flurkin together. I need that. I need that now. Yes, furry, <laughs> weird, you may only have to weird, wait a furry month. creatures. You
3: know, that's entirely that's entirely possible. We could be having the crossover to end all crossovers in Avengers Endgame. Yep. Goose and, it's going and to be Rocket. Goose and Rocket. <laughs> that's the team Which up is, we needed. Suddenly,
2: I'm ready to go to that movie.
3: <laughs> oh, I remembered it from, I, I dimly remembered it from the comics. And I was ha- sort of having a, that stupid deja vu moment in the theater where they were saying, he's not a cat, he's a flirkin'. And I'm like, why does that sound familiar? Mm-hmm and then tentacles everywhere
0: yeah in the in the captain marvel comics they find out that um that he is because rocket it it actually is rocket raccoon is like that is not a cat that is a and carol doesn't believe him and then they go into like a little side hatch and and her cat has laid like uh, like 500 eggs and she's like uh (laughs) okay maybe maybe and then little flirt kittens hatch and are adorable and it's fine because again they look like cats but they've got like multi-dimensional uh stomachs apparently that's a thing that they have so uh i just i thought that was a great little moment i i, I like that cat i think it's funny the cat obviously was marvell's was annette bennings right and there's been left over at that facility all this time um hanging out hanging waiting out. for its it, its moment mm-hmm. its moment to move and uh and then, uh, and then it makes it and, and it's like, okay, here, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going, going to go with these two, something like that. Since she probably recognized Carol, I would imagine, or maybe she just knows that Nick Fury is the, is a, is a good person to adopt. I don't know. Well,
4: not that good because look what happened to his eye.
0: Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> that's right. It turns out that this is how Nick Fury, uh, started wearing an eye patch as he got scratched in the eye by a flurkin. Who knew?
2: Uh, for people who don't know me, I have four cats. So I'm like your resident crazy cat lady. And so most of the things I pu- paid attention to before the movie was all about the cat. And after I like I loved every second that Goose was in the movie, I would watch a whole movie just about him. Uh, and after the movie was done, what did I look up? So I've I've like been watching videos and like I would read comic books about this cat. So I've been learning all about what Flurkins are. What goose is, and it's just been delightful to me. So, just some total. If you want me to get into this comic book universe, just bring on the cats. Bring on the cats, space cats, and the
0: flurkins. Flurkins. I'm all in. Yeah, all in on flurkins. Why not?
2: They're adorable. Like even the tentacles. I loved it. Yeah. I I have started calling my cats flurkins. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think my cat is a flurkin. I think I've. I think all cat owners realize now that these are aliens that are colonizing us. Definitely. I think that's. I think that's probably what's happening.
4: I wish that Marvel marketing would capitalize on this. I am. I'm assuming Mm -hmm. that there aren't goose stuffed animals out there that come with pop out tentacles because that would give something away in the movie. So instead of doing that, then they should like wait a month after the movie comes out and then release that toy. Cause who wouldn't go buy a goose dolly?
0: I
2: I would, I would definitely be on that.
0: (laughs) Um, all right. So, what else? Anything else? Uh, I've I've reached the end of my list. Is there anything else about this movie that we haven't talked about that you want to bring up? Now is your chance. The
3: cat. The supporting cast is all good. Um, we haven't said a whole lot about um, about Lashana Lynch as Maria Rambeau. It's a great friendship. I love seeing the, uh, them together. This movie 100% passes the Bechdel to ca- uh, test for sure. Mm-hmm. And um, and Carol has no romantic relationships in this movie. Uh, she has a found family, uh, and it's her story, and nobody and nobody else's. Um, all of that stuff uh, combined together. Uh, I keep going back and forth on whether I preferred Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel. Um this movie the more i think about it I, I i think coming right out of the theater i would have said i preferred wonder woman but the conversations i'm hearing about this movie from my friends and how it's uh, and, and and how it's affected them and especially um how this is a movie about overcoming emotional suppression and gaslighting um i i like this movie more and more the more i think about it
2: um since wonder woman was the last movie i saw in the theater um for not last movie last superhero Super movie, movie. Sure. i what i found about wonder woman is i loved the front half um when they're on the island once they left that in tricked me into a world where one or world war I, one or two movie and she's just basically hanging with all the guys which was fine and then there was that giant giant battle scene that went forever it was it was like eh, it's okay i really loved a lot of things about it i was glad they made a movie um with her in it but for me this movie just felt a lot more fun and i liked the storyline better it was i don't know it just felt like literally a time period comedy it had a cat it just <laughs> felt like it was written for me so i really enjoyed it
1: one thing i wanted to touch on specifically um was the scene with them with the supreme intelligence which they never ex- fully explain but okay and um, with supreme intelligence at the end of the movie is showing her these scenes of her falling down and then she remembers all the times that she got up again mm-hmm. and that was <laughs> Yes, I saw it coming, and yes, it was like a pretty obvious thing to do, and it still made me cry. Um, Totally. So it's yeah, that still got me, and it also like it really reminded me of Buffy. Um, And specifically, there's a scene like right at the end of the Buffy where it's like this thing of anyone can be a Slayer, and Mm -hmm. it shows a similar thing of like girls across the world being powerful, and uh, and. Even though it was just like the one character, it was different scenes throughout her life. And so it, it, between the, the 90s setting, um, and the cinematic parallels though, there really reminded me a lot of Buffy, which of course resonated with me. Um, and I also like, this was just mentioned, but again, shout out to the fact that this movie contained multiple female characters throughout the whole thing. Um, it wasn't just like, Captain Marvel and a bunch of dudes. It was mm-hmm. like she had a female mentor. She had her best friend. She had these different relationships that were interesting and dynamic throughout the whole thing. Yep.
0: Yep. I I, I I love the stealth casting. And this is another thing that I think they did to belie people's expectations if they knew things about the comics is they never said who Jude Law was playing. When you saw all the images, you assumed that he was going to be the classic comic book Marvell. And the idea there is that he would hand down his powers to Carol and die, uh, which is not. He's actually Yon-Rogg, Rogg, who is a, a villain. And Marvell is Annette Benning um, who also appears as the Supreme intelligence. Cause everybody sees somebody different. It's like the AI leader of the Kree basically. Um, but I had those, I had the same moments where I thought like, we have no questions about the Bechdel test here. Right. Because it is like, uh, Marvell when she's uh, as Wendy Lawson, like they're, they're talking on the ground, they're talking in the flight about what they're doing. And then all of the stuff, um, with, uh, with her friend, uh, maria rambo right like Mm -hmm. all of that is there too and it's just it's not even a question about it i'll throw throw a shout out for another uh, woman in this movie uh jemma chan who's great in humans and she's great in crazy rich asians and she is uh she is one of the cree crew in this and uh it's a little part but she's fun as minerva i guess is her name and uh you know the, the she's part of of uh of Jude Law's crew. So boo, they're bad. They're bad, but it was nice to see Jim and Chan. I never
4: liked Carol. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like seeing Jim and Chan and stuff. So that was good too.
4: The only like complaint, I guess I have about this movie, isn't this movie's fault. And it's that it's so reflective of current events and such a commentary on current events. And I wish it didn't have to be, I liked how they did it and all of that. And like, as a film, as a piece, I enjoyed it by itself but thinking about all of the ways that it relates to the world that I live in now, uh, was kind of depressing. <laughs> but That's not the
0: movie's fault. So, um, last question, this might be a little less appropriate for Annette than people who've seen more Marvel movies, <laughs> but I am <laughs> curious if you've got a thought and, and, you know, it's early yet. There are so many Marvel movies and also th- things seem to change when you watch it back, like watch it again another time. Um, but any feelings about sort of like where this movie rates in terms of Marvel, in terms of other superhero movies? We've heard a little about 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 Wonder Woman. Um, I think I prefer Wonder Woman to this movie, but um, that's I, I liked. I really loved Wonder Woman, so it's fine. Um, but wh- where where would you rank? Um, quinn you said you love marvel movies where would you rank this i'm not asking for like a number it's not like the summer of marvel where like you will rank them from top to bottom but like wh- wh- how did this overall <laughs> oh wait is, wait jason we have to have a bracket here is oh boy no oh, no <laughs> um is this you know i, I i'm just kind of curious sort of overall where where would you slide this in is it is it like top tier is it you know or does it fall you know is it good but not top tier i i'm just curious where you what where you're thinking Quinn?
1: Oh, God. Well, out of the thousand and seven Marvel movies. right. Approximately. um, Yeah. I I will say that um, I have, I mentioned I've seen all of them. I have seen all of them, almost every single one more than once as well. And so I think that uh, I would have to firm up this where it falls on the rewatch maybe when when I have like a more fully realized perspective on it. But I would say my first instinct on first viewing would be it's a second tier Marvel movie for me. I think that it doesn't quite hit like some of my absolute top favorites. Um, like the first guardians when I first saw it or like black Panther, or Spider-Man homecoming. I think those are like first tier films for me. Um, and then this would be like right in that second range where it might not be the first one I go to, but it's still uh, ahead of most of the field. All right. Kelly.
4: I would say for me, it's first tier. Uh, it would be like Guardians, Black Panther, uh, Spider-Verse, which sort of counts. And this, if I'm going with Marvel movies, uh, that would probably be it. I think I would need to watch it again. But as a movie that held my attention and the, the amount of time I had to roll my eyes about stuff, <laughs> which happens in some <laughs> of the others, uh, I really enjoyed this one. So this is way up, very, very high for me.
0: Chip? Um,
3: This is way up there. It reminded me that I prefer the standalone Marvel movies to the Avengers movies these days um, because there's more room for fun. Mm -hmm. I don't think this quite eclipses Black Panther for me, uh, but it's in that neck of the woods for me, honestly. Um, um, It's it is. It's layering, like you said at the top of the podcast, it's layering all this different stuff on top of a pretty familiar formula for superhero movies and even Marvel movies. But the character of Carol Danvers as written and played, um, there's something really compelling to her. And layering on top of that uh, the nonlinear storytelling at the beginning and the 90s upon the 90s upon the 90s. I really love this movie,
0: and Annette, I'm not going to ask you to rank it because you don't see that many superhero movies. But, um, but why don't you tell me uh, overall, like just overall feelings about it? Like, obviously, you you seem to enjoy it a lot.
2: Yeah, I feel like it did what it needed to for me. It was entertaining. I like I can see how it fits into a larger context without burdening me with with that context. Um, so yeah, it was fun, and I. I've really enjoyed it. So what else do I need? I could yeah. see watching it again and it might, cause I've heard so many good, like people really love those Avengers and they're very excited about the upcoming movie. So maybe I have to catch up and watch the previous one so I can go with my people to go see Avengers end game. If Captain Marvel's in it. I'm
0: sure that some of your people could construct a watch list to get you up to speed. If you, yeah. if yes. you would, uh, if you would want to. And there are a lot of really nice, uh, they're fun standalone movies uh, that, Mm-hmm. that you have watched. Well too. and I,
2: I have seen eventually I did see um not in the theater but Black Panther which I also really enjoyed. Yeah. Um and I think I saw Ant-Man and the Wasp which was fine. That one was funny and light, yeah. but I feel like this one was more enjoyable. Yeah.
0: All right. And I I liked it too. I I would probably put it somewhere in the middle of the Marvel movies. I think that I think it's a challenge to rank them in some ways because the you know standalone movies the baseline's pretty good yeah well i mean they have not as we learned in the summer of marvel um uh, the the miracle of this <laughs> run of movies that marvel has made that have become so popular and and profitable for them is that they it is it is rare for them to turn out a movie that's that's bad like they they haven't made that i mean <laughs> i think thor 2 was bad but you know there're not that many and um and this this is this is a good movie. it does feel a little bit like a throwback to earlier Marvel movies um in in perfectly fine ways. I think it's got a, it does some things that i haven 't seen before, which I really liked um I think maybe my reaction to it is muted a little bit by the fact that it is a traditional superhero movie in so many ways where it's an origin movie yeah, where Marvel mm-hmm. recently with their standalone movies has been trying to do. Uh, you know, to change it up a little bit. So you get your Ant-Man and Doctor Strange, which have like kind of different vibes or Thor Ragnarok is a good example of a movie that's in a completely different uh, genre. It's super weird and funny. And, and, uh, and this is a little more traditional and it took me a while to kind of adjust to it. And it's like, okay, we're doing, you know, we're going back to the days of like Iron Man and Captain America and the first Thor, where it's like, no, this is an origin story. This is, this is we're launching a new major, and and that that's the story behind the scenes. By the way, is that I think they've suggested strongly that um, they intend um, Carol Danvers to be at the center of the Marvel universe going forward after Avengers Endgame, which is interesting. Uh, I think they have big plans for this character, and as such, they've given her a more traditional kind of story. and And it took me a little time to kind of get like, oh. They're, they're making a, we've gone so far now that they're, they're making a classic Marvel movie. (laughs) This is like the kind of movie you might see in 2012, uh, before they were like, we need to do different genres. (laughs) So they're going back to the, back to the basics, but it's a good movie. And when you think about the themes and, uh, and, uh, the performances and, uh, you know, it's, it's a fun movie. So I definitely put it, um, among the, among the good Marvel movies, um, for sure. Um, anything
1: else before we wrap it up? My very last comment the most unrealistic part of this movie was how good her hair was in every single scene. <laughs>
0: uh, obviously, the cosmic cube bestowed upon her a um, cosmic hair of some kind.
2: I just assumed <laughs> it was another superpower.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: It's a forgivable offense, I
0: think. Photon blasts and perfect hair that's what you get it's good being good being <laughs> captain marvel good being captain marvel all right well this has been a lot of fun uh fun movie if you are listening to this and i and haven't seen it yet what is wrong with you but you should go see it and uh it's been fun to talk about another marvel movie i guess we'll be back in a few weeks to talk about whatever the heck happens in avengers endgame uh but until then i would like to thank my guests for talking about captain marvel whose name is never mentioned in the movie by the way which is fine mm-hmm. like It'll happen. It'll all It'll all work out. Uh, Annette Weirstra, thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you for
0: letting the novice comic book person on. It's good. We. It's good to get a spread of opinions. I, I really I really like that you <laughs> hadn't seen a, a, a superhero movie since Wonder Woman. That's That's good. That's good. Chip Sutter, thank you.
3: You know, I do find that announcing my identity with branded clothing helps me with the cover, covert part of the job.
0: <laughs> it's good. It's good. Yeah. You know, just take off the flannel and you're fine. Uh, that's something we should all learn. Uh, uh, <laughs> Kelly Gamon, thank, thank you. Thanks. I'm
4: keeping my flannel, though. All right,
0: fine. Well, Pacific you're northwest, in the North- like you're
4: in the Pacific northwest, northwest. <laughs> you're allowed.
0: You're allowed. Did you did you enjoy the Nirvana and the uh, and the hole in the soundtrack? I did. I did. I, I did. I lived through that. Uh, oh, oh my God! I just made an accidental hole reference there. Um,
1: uh,
0: and Quinn Rose, thank you.
1: Uh, thank you, Jason. I have nothing to prove to you. That's,
0: excellent. <laughs> Zapped by photon burst. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to this episode of the Incomparable. We will see you next time.